Welcome in, Iowa Hawkeye fans, to another episode of the Hawkeye Tailgate Report. I'm Luke Big Takes Myers, and joining me, as always, is Austin Myers and Joey Myers. The football season is officially over. The Hawkeyes are finishing their year with a win for the second season in a row. First time they've won a January 1st bowl game since 2009-2010 when they won the Orange Bowl. Fellas, how you doing tonight? Doing good. Good week for the Hawks. Yeah, can't complain. Getting a bowl win over an SEC team always feels good to end the season. Yeah, it was pretty much, I'm going to say it. You guys told me not to say it before we started this. It was straight domination by the Hawkeyes. Uh, I know the score probably didn't reflect it, and we had negative 16 rush yards, which isn't always a good sign. But you, you actually, that's never a good sign. Yeah, I can't remember any team having negative 15 rushing yards and still winning by five points. That That's just remarkable. All right. So, yeah. That game was definitely not straight domination by the Hawkeyes. As you said, we had negative 16 rushing yards for the entire game, along with uh, 199 total yards of offense, and we turned the ball over two times. Our defense was absolutely dominating, but as far as like a full-scale domination, that's not what we witnessed. I mean, I'm not complaining because if we can win a bowl game with 199 total yards of offense – that's fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I I shouldn't have said offense, or I, I guess I didn't say offensively. The defensive side of the ball for the Hawkeyes outplayed Mississippi State's offense significantly. Every other time I can remember the Hawkeyes having to play a mobile quarterback, whether it be like Terrell Pryor or some other shithead that went to Ohio State, we would always get killed. But Nick Fitzgerald didn't stand a chance yesterday, yesterday against the Hawks, and really – I'm not confident that they could pass the ball for more than 10 yards anyway because they looked like hot garbage through the air. Let's be honest. That's how, like, most running quarterbacks are. I mean, if they, they're a run first, so that's what they did, and then when they get forced into situations where you have the ball, they're absolute garbage because they haven't learned how to do that. So, I mean, that's what you saw the entire game. We Our defensive line, is, I'll say – Number two in the country behind Mississippi State's because they were incredible. But uh, besides that, we stuffed them on runs in early down situations, and then we forced them into third and long, and he had to pass the ball. And I think that he was about as good at passing the ball as Hornybrook is, which is not good. No, I mean, Hornybrook the last two years has lit us up for some unheard reason. I It's a left-handed quarterback that looks clumsier and shit out there. But we were able to make Fitzgerald look like just like I don't I don't even know how to explain it. He looked like dog crap out there, basically. He, he looked like he had a noodle arm. He was the quarterback last year, though. I think they were playing Ole Miss, and it, he had like a Kevin Ware-type injury, whereas <laughs> I think it was his right ankle was pointing like yeah. the other direction. <laughs> Yeah. direction yeah that was pretty gross yeah that's that's pretty gruesome but the Hawkeyes made mistakes but I I don't know how we won the game we had multiple <laughs> turnovers I mean Grant our defense was phenomenal Epinesa was a force as always but I I still can't comprehend I mean the way this that second half started we were up by 11 going into the second half I believe 17 to 6 and after the first four minutes of the second half, we were actually losing because of a, a picks, a, almost a pick six that put them in the red zone for Mississippi State. And then the following kickoff was Amir Smith-Marset trying to do something remarkable. and It was not remarkable. 
It was pretty remarkable the way he was holding the ball. I mean, treating it like a piece of a loaf of freaking bread out there. I mean, he didn't yeah. even learn later on in the game. I still remember standing up when he was returning one. I'm like, dude, just put both hands on the ball. I don't care what you do. We have the lead right now. You got to protect it. Yeah. I'll tell you how we won that game. Uh, whatever that guy's name is from Mississippi State, dropping a ball that hit him in the numbers <laughs> in the end zone for a surefire touchdown, and Jake Dravas coming in and swiping it up through the interception. That's how we won that game. Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet from somebody that was presumably a Mississippi State fan, and he was he like congratulated Iowa on the win, and he goes, but Iowa is clearly not the better team here. And then he cited that, that play where the guy dropped the ball. And I thought, well, isn't like catching the ball part of the game too? Like if, if Mississippi State was truly the better team, they make those plays, you know? So mm-hmm. that, that just – I thought that was kind of an ignorant tweet that I saw. Yeah, yeah. also – or Mississippi State just straight up wasn't a disciplined football team. Iowa didn't get flagged one single time for the entire game. Every single time that Mississippi State had a momentum thing going for them, they negated it themselves with a penalty. They got that targeting call early in the first quarter, or maybe right at the beginning of the second quarter, that it would have been a third down incompletion or whatever it was, and they would have got the ball back. We got the targeting penalty, 15 yards. On their what would have been their longest play of the game, a 51-yard uh, catch, that was you know, he was tackled at the one that had a holding penalty. They had like eight or nine penalties for close to a hundred yards. So that's another reason discipline is part of being a good football team. And Mississippi State just simply did not show that at all. Well, like I, I saw another Mississippi State fan, Mississippi State fan, complaining on Twitter about, oh, Iowa had no penalties. Well, we had negative fifteen rushing yards. So you cannot possibly say we were holding on these rushing downs like that. That would be absolutely insane if we were to cheat and still get negative fifteen rushing yards. Yikes. I, yeah, that that's even more miserable. But we didn't. We had negative fifteen rushing yards. There's no possible way we were holding on those. So if you're looking for something to bitch about, Mississippi State fans, it can certainly not be the penalties. We played a very good, clean, physical game. But uh, yeah, I mean the targeting penalty was huge for the Hawkeyes. I believe that there was two penalties on that drive that kept or converted third downs. And uh, one other thing I do want to talk about is. Uh, that player from Mississippi State who got tackled when he was rushing the ball to the short side of the field, and he uh, he got up, walked to the sidelines, and lost consciousness. Yeah, yeah I didn't see that until after the game. Didn't and, he like come back in later in the game? Yeah, he came back into the game. What the hell? I I you will never be. He certainly had a concussion. You'll never be able to convince me that he was healthy enough to come into the game after minutes before. It probably wasn't even. Ten minutes he was out of the game, and he was out there on the field again. He should have been taken out of Raymond James Stadium on a stretcher, and five minutes later he was banging his head around on some people again. That was, like, a terrifying moment, and then it was like a what-in-the-fuck moment immediately after. If you're the NCAA, I'm not sure how you don't look into that because if player safety is seriously one of the biggest issues right now with across all stages of football, whether it be Pop Warner, college, high school, or NFL, you got to look at stuff like that and really question what the athletics training staff is doing because that is pretty horrible to see when you – because you could see it on uh, when you were watching the game on TV. His body just gave out and, like, his head collapsed to the ground. Like, you got to look farther into it than that. that. That's pretty pathetic on the Mississippi State's training part, if you ask me. This is my take on probably – what transpired on the Mississippi State sideline uh, during that whole situation. He finally regained consciousness, and they go, how could you possibly want to go back in the game after sustaining a hit like that? And he goes, the guy probably said something along the lines of, 
One, is this the Outback Bowl? Yes. Two, do I currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Come on, that, that that's Jeff Brom's quote. You got you got to quote him there. You got to cite him or something. That straight XFL stuff right there. Sorry, I'm not in school session right now, so my plagiarism uh, red flags are not going off currently. All right. Uh, another thing I want to touch on about this Outback Bowl. Everything was pretty cordial coming up. I mean, I see saw a lot of Hawkeye fans having a good time tailgating and whatnot. But uh, I saw a story that said uh, the both of the teams went and visited. I believe it was the local children's hospital down there, and the Mississippi State players were talking some trash to the younger Iowa players. I do not see how that should be allowed either. If you're a Mississippi State coach, how you're not a little pissed off at that that your players are talking shit while you're supposed to be visiting be ill or injured at a hospital that that just blows my mind also i'm not sure if you saw that story or not yeah no i did see it and my like my first thought was just like well first i saw it and i was like oh players from both teams went to a children's hospital that's a good thing and then i saw that like the mississippi state players were just like trash talking the iowa players while they were there and i was just like scratching my head thinking like why a day or two before the bowl game, would you give the other team some bulletin board material to like give them even just like another reason to want to try and win the game? So I feel like that's just a boneheaded move on Mississippi State's part. Does anybody know what um, where these refs were from? I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what kind of crew it was either. I don't, I don't know. But that head official seemed like he was on one. He was like, he was just like, I don't know what about him, but he looked like he was laced out on something. Just, just a random observation I had. Uh, and also, I want to touch on one other uh, Mississippi State fan. I believe this guy's name is Brandon Walker, and he's like, he has a podcast or whatever for Mississippi State. Big, big freaking deal. So do we. Not that we're important, but uh, I'm not sure if you guys all heard this. But I'm gonna play the rant here quick after the game he delivered. Let me pull it up a second. So basically, he's just really butthurt after the game. Clearly expected something better from Mississippi State like they're freaking Alabama. But I would like for this man to apologize because Kirk Ferentz deserves that. He has done everything the right way for 20 years and calling out his team for being slow and white. Are you kidding me? That is, Has he ever seen a Big Ten football game? That just is the dumbest statement in the world. I don't know. And then I guess Iowa fans are going at him, and now he's playing the victim on Twitter like a little – yeah, no, no, he he did release an apology video today. I saw. Oh, really? So, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, he should. Have. Yeah, he he released an apology, and he only had one of those things right. Iowa is a very white team. We're not slow. No, that and I it I don't know. You look at any big tech school; they have big guys. I I don't understand what he means by big and white. Yeah, like we have a ton of good offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, like. 
every school in the Big Ten has that. It that's just an extremely vague, ignorant, dumb statement. I I don't know. That guy really drove me nuts. And then I was also looking through his Twitter today, and he uh he put his call history from like the last twenty four hours, and he <laughs> has like eight no caller ID phone calls, couple from Burlington, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, Decorah, Iowa, Fort Madison, Iowa. So the Hawkeye fans aren't going to let him go quietly because, I mean, I remember when I was like 10 years old, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed after a loss like that or or just any loss in general. But, I, I mean, I'm over it now. I'm 23 years old, almost 24. you got to get over it at some point. This guy looks like 45, 50. I mean, grow up, dude. Each time your team loses, almost 100% of the time, it's because of something your own team did. You know, like, I don't know, Mississippi State – isn't clearly a better team, obviously. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, deal with it. Whatever. I don't know. I don't want to – I don't like to waste my breath on uh, piece-of-shit fans for other teams. Yeah. I I don't know. They're just butthurt right now, which is fine. Everybody deserves to be butthurt for a little bit but not throw a tamper tantrum about it. But more importantly, fellas, we want ourselves coconut shrimp. Who's Who's excited for that? I'm not driving to Cedar Rapids yeah. to get coconut shrimp. I would be much more excited if there was an Outback Steakhouse in Iowa City that I could go to. In which case, I would have gotten coconut shrimp. But it's not really... By the time I drive 40 minutes or 50 minutes round trip to get one free plate of coconut shrimp, not really worth it. Uh, all else, right. What was that, I, Austin? Uh, coconut shrimp greater than Bloomin' Onion. That is... I, that's a strong disagree here. That is dumb. Nope. <laughs> that is really dumb. But, uh... That, Nathan Stanley, our fearless leader, gets a lot of criticism. Finished this season with 26 touchdowns, tied from what he did last year. He had 26 last year as well. And uh, I believe that's only one behind the all-time Iowa record for a quarterback. But for a career, he needs 28 more touchdowns to pass the great Chuck Long, who I believe has 80. Uh, do you guys think he can do it next year? 28's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, that's a lot. And – Considering he's had pretty solid years each of the last two years and still only achieved 26, he'd have to be off the charts next year to get 28. Yeah, it'll be difficult, especially considering Noah Fant, who he's thrown like almost 20 combined touchdowns in the last two seasons, is no longer going to be on the team. We're not sure if TJ Hawkinson is going to be around. The Iowa receiving core is losing Nick Easley, who was their most reliable receiver this year, and after that it's kind of question marks. I think Brandon Smith is going to be the – Next guy to step up, he's shown the most promise lately. But just simply the fact that Iowa gets a lot of their scores on the ground because, let's face it, we're a run-first run team typically. So 28 touchdowns would be pretty difficult for him to come by next year. So, uh, yeah, it will be tough. I agree. I think if our schedule's tough for next year, but if we make the Big Ten title game, that'd give him an extra game there. I feel that he could get to the 28 mark. But uh, I don't know. He had 26 the last two years. And Brandon Smith, I think, is just only going to get – he's shown a lot of growth over this last year. I mean, he showed a lot to me that makes me believe he can not be Marvin McNutt but be a lesser version of one of the greatest receivers that Iowa has ever seen. Uh, all in all, fellas – Team finishes nine and four. Well, a nine-win season's all right. I remember at the beginning of the season, say anything less than ten wins should be considered a massive disappointment. I st still kind of agree with that, but we win a bowl game, a January first bowl game. Uh, what do you fellas think? Um, I mean, yeah, nine and four. I 
I can't really be that upset about it because not a nine-win season is a good season. But when you look at the losses that we had and the way that we lost them, it just makes you think, what could have this season been? I mean, the way that we lost at home against Wisconsin, mostly because of two lost fumbles on punts, that sucked. And then the throwing the interception in the end zone at Penn State when we had a chance to have a good road signature win, that sucked. Letting Northwestern beat us at home for them to take their first ever Big Ten West title, that one really sucked in a game which our usually fantastic defensive line gave up like 164 rushing yards to Isaiah Bowser, like a true freshman <clears throat> from Northwestern. That sucks. So, I mean, nine wins is good. Uh, it got Kirk his like $500,000 contract bonus for having an eight-win season. I mean, let's be honest. If we're winning nine games every year, I won't be too disappointed about it. Yeah, I don't know. Just since the playoff system started, it's just kind of hard for me to get up for any bowl games and get too excited about them. I mean, other than I was telling Austin earlier, the Rose Bowl, and if you don't make the playoff or the Rose Bowl, it's kind of difficult for me to cheer for something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's well, and especially like now that we're in the playoff era, it's basically like you can have at a maximum one loss and still have a chance at making the playoffs. So like the season can kind of lose some like interest after that. Like if you lose one time, especially as Iowa who kind of has like a negative national perception as far as their talent, like one loss kind of means that you're done already. So that sucks. But yeah. overall I'd say it, at the end of the year, I'm happy with nine wins. And it's, it's particularly hard for Iowa fans too, because the second year of the playoff, we went 12-0 and 0 and almost made it. And I honestly think that could could be our peak. I don't – it's it's going to be hard to do that again. I mean, it was our first ever undefeated football season, so. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that 2015 is going to be tough to repeat, but I'm just looking to get back to Indy sometime soon. Uh, I have two quick-hitting questions football-wise here for you. First, I just want yes or no answers. Is TJ Hawkinson – coming back to the University of Iowa? Yes. No. I'm probably going to go with no also, as much as it breaks my heart. And then the next question, this one's really far-fetched. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Give me a, uh, a... Will AJ Epinesa be a top 10 finalist for the Heisman Trophy next year? No. Uh, no. I'll, yeah. What I do mean, don't... He's an absolute beast, and he's gonna get. He's gonna start next year. If he doesn't, I'm literally breaking down Kirk's door. But uh, I did not get why he, he. Neither do I. He led the team in sacks and was first team All Big Ten as a second stringer. That's nuts. But I mean, he would have to put up like college football like history numbers for him to be like an, a Heisman like candidate next year. Yeah, the last defensive lineman I think that was up. Or was his name was in the conversation for a while at least was Nandama Kungsu from Nebraska. I don't remember what his stats were that season, but he was just having an unreal year. How many heads did he step on that year? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you're allowed to step on heads in the college game, just NFL. But moving on here, the Hawkeye basketball team finishes out their non-conference schedule, and they are 11 and two going into Big Ten play. Just as I predicted. <laughs> you. I so you did predict that. You did predict it, guys, but uh, 
I was the one that so, said with some hesitation. Because that Bryant was, game was, was fucking F3. ugly. Yeah, I, I hated watching that. <laughs> yeah, it was well, not a fun game to watch. And, like, the whole time I'm, I kept thinking, oh, the boys will pull away here. The boys – it got up to, like, nine or eight at one point. I'm like, all right, this will hit. The defense will stop here. Another, another bucket, it's up to double figures. But, nope, Bryant just kept – Pissing us off a little bit. We were missing our free throws in the second half, and uh, it kind of made a lot of Hawkeye fans turn from the hot start they were on earlier this season. Not this Hawkeye fan. Yeah, you know, uh, I was at a family Christmas that day, so I didn't get a chance to watch the game, and I'm pretty happy about that because I think that I would have thrown my remote through the TV several times had I watched an entire game against Bryant. It's probably ranked like, 250 something come within five points of beating us at home yeah i'm pretty sure they're they're in the bottom 15 in division one right now but uh it was yeah i mean like i don't know what it was it was just weird like our offense wasn't great but it wasn't horrible and our defense wasn't great but it wasn't horrible either we were just very very mediocre i'm gonna give the boys a pass for this game though because it was the first, their first game back from being back from Christmas break. You know, they went home, spent some time with their families, whatnot. So maybe a little rust there. Uh, maybe having a hard time getting up for a, an extremely lesser opponent, which you're going to have to figure out eventually because that kind of shit isn't going to last all season. But, I mean, we roll into Big Ten play now, and we're in very, very, very good shape to at least make the NCAA tournament. The difference in that Brian game was definitely free throws. We got fouled twenty or yeah, twenty three times. They only got fouled thirteen times. We shot like nineteen more free throws than them, so Wow. I mean we didn't shoot great on the free throw line, but just quantity. That's been Iowa's thing all season is a lot of games we're making more free throws than the other team attempts, so they've had just shown a lot of aggression towards the rim and Anytime that you're shooting, I mean, I was shooting like 20-something free throws a game. If you're doing that, you're playing winning basketball. Also, I noticed that they did great from three, but they made some weird shots that game. Yeah, they were making bombs. And uh, on the three-point topic, I guess I'll say, over these last two games, Jordan Bohannon's kind of woken up a little bit, which is kind of nice to see because he had been shooting very, very cold earlier in the season. So if once he gets going, we play some defense, everybody starts clicking a little more here at the beginning of Big Ten play. Yeah. We're going to have a very, very lethal team. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, uh, I believe on the last podcast that I was on, I said it was only a matter of time before Jordan Bohannon finds his three-point shot. When you're that good of a shooter, you're not going to go for an entire season in a cold streak. And he's kind of waking up these last two games, which is perfect, get hot rolling into the Big Ten season. And, uh yeah, I think that he's going to continue to stay hot. It'll add another dimension to this Iowa offense that is at times pretty prolific score at scoring the ball. So I expect pretty good things out of this Iowa team moving into the full conference schedule now. Uh, so we have Purdue and Nebraska here in the next week. I, I'm Purdue's flirting around the edge of that top 25, I think. And they have some still pretty good players. I believe they have, is it Vince or Carson Edwards? One of those two out there has got a lot of preseason recognition. Uh, they weren't, aren't off to a hot start, but we all know what Purdue's capable of. I mean, every year when we play them, it used to be that Matthias would just 
light us up from three and bury us early. I think last year was a 20-point game at half. But that game was miserable to be at. I tell you what, my my seats were like right behind the hoop, and I think uh, they hit like 23s in the first half. That's what it felt like. They could not miss. Look like they were, they had to have been shooting into like a pool. That's what they saw the rim as because they didn't miss anything. Yeah, that but, was an absolute murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking at Purdue's schedule, they have not beaten anybody. They have lost every single good team they played. They lost to. Virginia Tech, Florida State, uh, Texas, Michigan, Notre Dame. So all, any of the big name teams. I guess they beat Maryland, but yeah, yeah, or whatever. But yeah, the big, biggest uh, challenge for uh, that game is definitely going to be guarding Carson Edwards. I think he's averaging like close to twenty five points a game this season. Uh, he's fantastic at shooting the three point ball and. Uh, Depending on the defensive look, Purdue likes to play him on the ball or off the ball. And uh, one knock against Bohannon is that he's not the best defender. So uh, that could present a problem because he's been good regardless of how he's been playing. So uh, hopefully Iowa has a good defensive game plan against Carson Edwards. And besides that, I'm not too concerned. They got that like 7-3 like, harms guy. He's from like the Netherlands or some shit. He's tall, but uh, he's pretty lanky. He doesn't have a whole lot to him. I think that Tyler Cook will be able to push him around pretty easy. And they don't have Haas anymore, who is just like a freaking steel wall down there in the paint. So I think that we should definitely be able to control the post. And then as long as Bohannon's hitting his threes, I don't really foresee us having too much difficulty uh, t- taking down Purdue. Tyler Cook they got his alley-oop in this last game too. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, versus Bryant was... Yeah, that was nice to see. Toss it up to him one time. But uh, we also have Nebraska here in the next week. And Nebraska actually lost on a buzzer beater tonight. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, against Maryland. Sweet. So that that's a that's a tough loss for them. But Maryland's going to be tough. I don't know if they'll be top 25 tough all year. But when you, have them at, when you play them in Maryland, that's going to be a tough, tough game for, no, for anybody who goes there. Uh, so the Hawks are 11-2 and two right now. How many wins do you think they need to get to the big dance? I was saying the other day, I think, if we get, if we go 9-9 uh, nine and nine from here on out, 20-11 and 11 probably gets you in with our non-conference. I mean, we didn't – none of our non-conference wins look great right now, but we still have Iowa State, UConn, Oregon, and Pitt on there, and we didn't lose a single one of our early games, so that's going to help us. So I think 20-11 and 11 will get us in, but I – I obviously want us to get like 23 or 24 wins. So, I'd say without a doubt, 21 wins gets us in. 20 should and a 19 could, depending on if we have a strong Big Ten tournament run. Yeah, I'd like to see 21, but I'd also just like to see them do well in the Big Ten tournament, win a couple games. Yeah, I'm really tired of just coming out in the first round playing terrible teams and just looking completely flat, having no rhythm at all, and then losing to Penn State. Like, is it too much to ask for to make it just even to the second day of the tournament? If I if I have one knock on Fran McCaffrey, it seems that his teams are never playing their best basketball when it comes to tournament time, or that for whatever reason they just never show up for tournament games. Well, last year I thought we were going to have a little run in the Big Ten tournament because we beat we beat somebody. Oh, we beat Illinois on the first day, and then 
we pushed Michigan to overtime. Remember oh. Jordan Bohannon hit the three to tie it with like 15 seconds left? Yeah, I do remember that now. I his, guess his big brass balls got us to overtime, but ended up losing to the eventual Big Ten champions. So didn't make me feel too bad when Michigan won. Uh, but yeah, just get to the. I'd like a first round, first round or two buy in the Big Ten tournament. That way, we're guaranteed to get to the wake weekend, basically. But I mean, let's get to over that twenty win mark and hopefully tack on a few more after that. Finish top six or seven in the Big Ten and uh, make a l nice little late season run. But we also have a a former friend. I'm just kidding. Uh, that was quotation marks I put around that word friend because Steve Alford, everybody's favorite Iowan, got canned from UCLA this past weekend. So that was great to see because that guy was a perennial dickhead. Yeah, all I have to say about that is fuck that guy. I agree. I don't remember a ton about the Alford days, but it seemed like nobody liked him. Well, <laughs> however, however... We did have Licklider after that, so that made him seem kind of good for a while. He did win two Big Ten uh, tournaments in, like, 2000 and 2006, but the 2006 team was maybe the greatest Hawkeye basketball team of all time, next to maybe one of Roy Marble's squad. You had Jeff Horner, Greg Bruner, Eric Hansen, Doug Thomas, Adam Haluska. Like, that is a squad. That is a yeah. good bunch to put out there. And then 2000, they had Reggie Evans, who would go on to play in the NBA, so... Not rocket science with that team either. But, uh, yeah, he's canned. He Remember, he left New Mexico here a couple of years ago after signing a 10-year extension. And then in the same offseason, he would go on and take the UCLA job, breaking that uh, contract deal with New Mexico. Makes you wonder if he'd go back in time and redo that because he was having a lot of success at New Mexico and did absolutely nothing at UCLA. I think they got to the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago. But other than hey, that. Hey, hey. He had Lonzo Ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Kyle Anderson. I think, were they all on the same team together? Those no. three were NBAers, so. Bryce Alford, too, he had. Cool. Oh, yeah. Sniper. He was better than Little Lick, though. You can't. Nothing like coaches playing their sons. I shouldn't say that because I was. Oh, next year's going to have two of them, but. There's a difference, though. Patrick's yeah, a top 100 recruit, and Connor's a damn good point guard, backup point guard. Oh, yeah, I'm not complaining about the McCaffrey's. You know, that was more of a shot at uh, Licklider because he played his son all the time, and he was freaking horrible. But I don't like to talk about those days of Iowa basketball. I just I like to just act like they didn't happen because that was miserable. I'm going to bring up those days one more time here. I just saw a tweet tonight, and I'm not, I think it was uh, some Drake athletic department person put it up, and it was a picture of Matt Gatons, who's an assistant at Drake, and Todd Licklider, who's an assistant at Evansville, and I quote tweeted it, and I said, I wonder if Matt Gatons realizes how much talent of his was wasted by Todd Licklider, because Matt Gatons is maybe the most underrated player in the history of Iowa Iowa athletics. Yeah, Gatons was a stud. He was, he was the lone bright spot in the Licklider days. Oh, uh, he and Jared Cole. I, like, I was a big Jared Cole. Yeah, Jared, we had some talent. Remember Tony Freeman? I believe he was there for Licklider's first year, first year yeah. or two. Or uh, Tyler Tyler Smith. Also transferred. They both they Yeah, both transferred played. to Tennessee. Tyler Smith was really good. He really? led that Tennessee team to a couple NCAA tournaments, I think. So we certainly had the talent there. 
But man, the coaching staff was just horrible. Yeah, that was a big old whiff on a uh, signing there. What if, what if I told you that Iowa won one round in the NCAA tournament this year, and then lost? Would you be happy? Would you consider that a successful season? Who do we lose to? Like what seed wise? Like are we in the the two like the two seven matchup in the second round? Yeah. Meh. I, I, God, I don't know. It depends on what Iowa if we are to make it to the tournament, it depends on like how well like how we're playing making it to there. Like if we get there, if we're like crawling in or whatever, we're like a first four team or something like that, win that game and then lose then probably not. I don't know. It all depends. I guess, yeah, winning a tournament game, that probably makes me happy down the season, but preferably, like, win two, make it to the Sweet 16, because that hasn't happened for Iowa in quite some time. That'd be, that'd make the season really special, I think. You know what? Screw this. Anything short of the Final Four, I'm disappointed in, because I'm ready to make a fun trip up to Minneapolis and have a hella good weekend up there with some Hawkeye fans watching some Iowa basketball. That's the dream. That's the dream, fellas. Uh, one more uh, oh also the first round of the NCAA tournament for the Midwest region is in Des Moines this year and I got tickets so nice break hopefully the Hawkeyes get a top three or four seed that'd be extremely optimistic yeah but one more uh, Hawkeye basketball note to touch on here and it's on the women's side Uh, shout out to Megan Gustafson because the she is a straight baller, breaking the all-time record for Iowa total points scored in her career. Uh, she broke it versus Michigan State this past weekend, uh, December 30th, with 2,124 points. I mean. That's incredible. She, is, that's men's or women's? Uh, I don't it's, think it's men's. No, it is. She she did beat Roy, she Roy Marble. is the all-time leading scorer really? in Iowa basketball. Yeah, men's or women's. Yep. She holds the title to herself. That's amazing. I mean, and it's, I saw something projected today, like she can still score 500 points this season. Well, she's averaging, like, what, 26 or something a game? It's Yeah, but you would, I will, ne- I don't think a Hawkeye will ever be able to catch that mark, the all-time scoring record. If, if she puts up 500 more points, that would just be, that'd be wild. That put her over 2,600 points for a career. I mean, I thought yeah. Roy Marble's mark was kind of untouchable, and Aaron White threatened it a few years ago, but he still didn't really come close. No, yeah. It's it's impressive. I think what the funniest stat, or most impressive, or both that I've seen about Gustafson in the season, it was a couple weeks ago. It was the – we had just finished the seventh week of, like, the basketball season or something, and she had won – Big Ten Women's Basketball Player of the Week six out of the seven weeks that they'd given it out so far in the season. She probably got robbed that other week. I'd assume so. Well, I think last year she won the first ten weeks because I saw a memory pop up on Facebook and I must have shared something because she she's just unstoppable. She's going to be another unanimous All-American. She's going to go to the NBA draft She's or WNBA draft and she's going to get drafted fairly high, you'd have to imagine. Uh, the last... Iowa women's player to get drafted was Sam Logic here a few years ago, I believe, by like the Atlanta Dream or something is what their name is. But yeah, I mean, she's going to be a stud and not much of a WNBA fan, but at least it'll give you something to cheer for, another sport to watch, especially if a Hawkeye's out there balling. Yeah, absolutely. All righty, boys. You got anything else for this week's show? 
Yes, uh, I, I do. Oh, yeah, I also do. Okay, you go first. I'd just like to say uh, I was happy to see Iowa State lose their bowl game, <laughs> just particularly in the fashion that they did. Yeah, um, that was. It was nice to see all them whining about the bad refs and stuff. But my simple answer to that is just don't cheat, and you won't get your players ejected. Right. I will say uh, the first targeting was absolutely – that was like – if there was a video that they had for refs to look for when looking at targeting, it was that. He tried to rip the guy's head off. The second one, if I was an Iowa fan, I'd be pretty salty about that. But I don't care. Fuck State. They lost. I'm happy about it. Yeah. All right. You guys both done with your notes? No. Okay. So now I got mine. Oh, okay. This is the segment that I'd like to add to the show. Yep. It's called Thoughts from My Cousin. Uh, he didn't want to be named, so we're going to refer to him as Space Cowboy. So, <laughs> so uh, I gave him a, a rundown of what the topics for this week's show were going to be, and he just uh, sent me some texts, his thoughts on the topics, and uh, he that he wanted me to read out. So here they are, starting from the top like we did with football. He goes, uh, first thought: Mississippi State fans make Iowa Iowa State fans seem like they actually are knowledgeable in sports. It's not their fault, though, because their mothers all smoked, probably meth, during pregnancy. <laughs> uh, uh, moving on to basketball now, he says, Iowa B-ball is fine if they stay healthy. Not a lot of depth, which is what fans wanted. A smaller rotation. But gotta stay healthy or we're fucked with a capital F. Uh, as far as wins to make it into the NCAA tournament, he says 20 wins and in or 19 with a strong Big Ten tourney. Uh, thoughts on Megan Gustafson. To wrap it up, he says, Megan Gustafson, please have my children. Wow. <laughs> already, already Space Cowboy. What did you say that segment was called? Thoughts from uh, my cousin? Yeah, thoughts from my cousin. Yeah, all right. We'll try and do that Do that every show then here. Uh, one final note I'd like to add. It's kind of a sadder one. Tyler Trent, the Purdue super fan, passed away of cancer on uh, January 1st, uh, just yesterday. Uh, pretty horrible news. He became basically famous here over the last couple of months because his battle with cancer and just kind of the difference he was making in the cancer fighting community and among Purdue students, Purdue University. Uh, just rest easy, big man. Keep cheering for your team up there. Uh, thoughts and prayers to their family as well because certainly a tough time for them. Cancer sucks. Fuck that thing. Lost a family member to it myself here a, a, a while ago now, but I don't know. That That's just uh, sucks to see. doesn't matter who you're a fan of. All righty. Boys, yeah. thanks for coming on the show this week. Uh, Hawkeyes finished in their football season 9-4 with an Outback Bowl win. Uh, goddamn freaking, what is it? I forgot what they're called, the cactus shrimp. Go, was that oh, just to, shrimp. Coconut, coconut shrimp. shrimp? Was that just today? I'm not sure when it is. It was today was oh, when you could get oh, it. So if you're listening to this podcast, you've already missed your chance. Well, I mean, it will probably be up by 930. So, I mean, you could possibly swing out, but you really got to book it. But, I mean, <laughs> Hawkeyes finished the season strong. Hawkeye, Hawkeye basketball starts Big Ten play here tomorrow evening. Uh, so cheer hard, cheer loud. Phil Carver this weekend against Nebraska. Let's beat Big Red. Keep some momentum going and run through the schedule and make it to the final four like I predicted. Boys, thanks for joining me. Follow the show on Twitter at goal underscore Hawks. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at Myers underscore Luke. Joey Myers' Twitter name is JoeMama2196, and Austin Myers does not have a Twitter. We're still working on that. He still can't figure it out how to get it going. So thanks for listening, guys, and as always, go Hawks.